This is Steve Ray with Owl's Nest Barbecue, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show with Greg Rempe. Can you believe it? This is Jim Minion from Two Loose Screws. I'm listening to Barbecue Central. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the world! Yeah, baby! I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you see fit to join in tonight, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, TheBBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening, in case you can get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now, maybe 13 minutes, as he is battling traffic and getting back to his headquarters in Florida, I think. He's probably down in the Miami area at this point. It's late. It's early in 2020. Uh, it is into the, well, geez, I mean, there you go. I mean, it's been so mild up here in the Northeast or Midwest, depending on how you look at Cleveland. Typically, we are well into the freezing temperatures, if not had a number of days of below zero temperatures, but we really haven't had any of that. The coldest it's been so far, I think, was 18 or 19 degrees on Saturday and Sunday this past weekend. But otherwise, mid-30s with gusts up to 45 and 50, it promises to be near 40 Tomorrow and Thursday, so I'll take it. That's kind of getting me all cuckoo is where we are weather-wise here in the country, but no doubt about it. Stephen Reichlin is a snowbird and splits time between Martha's Vineyard when it's warm and Miami when it's cold up in the Northeast. So without any further talking up, we are going to be joined by the first time in 2020, the author of the Barbecue Bible, amongst many other live fire cooking books, TV show host, cooking class instructor, all the good stuff. And third Tuesday of the month, regular guest Stephen Reichlin is in about 13, 14, 15 past the hour. And we'll be talking to Stephen about what he thought the biggest food story was of 2020. We'll talk a little bit about meatless grilling this time around because that is really going to be a thing. 
And we'll also talk about Ten Commandments of Grilling. Are you new to Live Fire? Are you not familiar with Stephen Reichland and Reichland's rules and all of this good stuff? Well, we'll indoctrinate you tonight as we have him for the segment. Then we will move on to 35 Past. That will bring another third Tuesday of the month regular guest. And it seems over the last handful of months since she's made the trek from the Atlantic Southeast portion, um, closer to the Keys, I think it was originally when she started coming on the show, but now around that Fort Myers area, but certainly in a patch of wilderness to the tune of 20 acres. And we've been living with her vicariously as uh, she and her husband are picking off protein at a rapid rate, uh, perhaps more her husband than anything else. But if you follow Robin on social media, by the way, I am talking about Robin Lindars, the grill girl. And if you follow her on social media, you will see the lead topic that we'll be talking about this evening is wild boar. In fact, Howard Stern show producer Jason Kaplan, who happens to be a fan of this show, messaged me earlier and said, I see that you're talking about wild boar. I'm a huge fan of wild boar. I've had it a number of times. It's his favorite game meat. I'm a little less adventurous on the palate, of course. Jason's had elk and bear, if you can believe it. I wonder if he and uh, Chad Ward have hooked up in any fashion over the years. And he said boar is uh, widely his favorite. So that encourages me a little bit where if I came across it, I might think about trying it, but probably not. So we'll talk about boar, amongst other things. Then second hour, Daniel Vaughn, the editor for the barbecue side of things at Texas Monthly, will join me. Bunch of stuff to talk about with him. And then we will close it out with the... CEO of the KCBS, Emily Detweiler, will uh, recap some of the article, KCUR, if that's what it's called, that NPR affiliate, and then we'll get into a little bit of KCBS Banquet Recap 2019, talk about some teams of the year and international teams of the year, all that fun stuff. So there you have it, 216-220-0966. If you want to jump in, email greg at com at Show Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, slash Show on Facebook. Those are the social media platforms, so hit me up if you feel like it. And let me start here tonight. The email has been coming in a feverishly uh, over the past week, and it all stems from Meathead's appearance. And I don't recall the last time a Meathead's appearance has garnered so much reaction. If you missed last week's show and you haven't gotten the podcast, here's what the hubbub's about. A grilled pineapple margarita. Everybody oh. who is into grilling knows. I'm just going to come out and say it. All right. Have everything you can put on the grill. Nothing in this world. Animal, vegetable, mineral is better than a pineapple. God almighty, I love grilled pineapple. What? <laughs> oh my I goodness. have to look back at our 10 years of doing interviews together and hold everything in question that you said. I can't believe that the best thing coming off of a grill on any side of anything is pineapple. Have you ever just grilled a slice of pineapple? Of course I have. And never once, never once have I thought that this could be the best thing I've eaten off a grill. No way. Prime rib is better. Every steak is better. Chicken is better. (laughs) Turkey is better. Pizza is better. Meathead, you are off your medicine. We might have to call an end to this whole goddamn thing now. Oh, my God. I'm a buzz. If you missed it, that's exactly what happened last week. Meathead said the best thing to come off a grill is grilled pineapple. 
No shortage of emails coming in. Here's just a sampling of the emails. Tim in Pennsylvania writes, Meathead, pineapple is the best thing off the grill. You must really be a meathead. Good one, Tim. Keep the comedy to yourself. Mike in Florida, Greg, did Meathead just say the best thing he's ever eaten off the grill is pineapple? How did you not hang up on him immediately? Are you going to ban him from the internet like you have done so many other people? This would probably be the most fitting ban so far. Mike, I have banned a number of people. I'll probably not be banning Meathead from the internet, although he is on uh, probation, let's say. Chuck in Kansas wrote, please hang up on this guy, or as you would say, kook. (laughs) Yeah, well, so that was two. By the way, people in the chat room, if you were keeping track, or if you are, uh, when I say chat room, I am talking about the YouTube chat room. As a matter of fact, let me stop here real quick. Does this show up? Does this connect? Widget will automatically connect when you start streaming from Facebook. All right. Do I see anything here? No. You know, this is what you get for listening to Steve Ray. That's not even the right sound. This is what you get. Right there. All right, back to me. Uh, Randy in Missouri said, pineapple, I feel dirty. Don't feel dirty, Randy. Pineapple's delicious. It's not the best thing to come off the grill. Laura in Chicago. I love Meathead. He's a local guy. I own his book. I love grilled pineapple, but it's not the best thing to come off the grill, especially when there's beef to be had. Sorry, Meathead. So that was a sampling of the anti-pineapple take. Uh, By the way, I am anti-pineapple take, in case you were wondering. Now, to show both sides, I do want to make sure that I read a uh, different side of the email. This one is, uh, and I quote, Meathead, we totally agree that pineapple is the best thing you can ever eat off the grill. Sincerely, people who lie for a living. I'm glad that people that lie for a living found time to write into the show. But that's what you were getting. That's what I was getting a lot of through the course of the last five and six six days. Subject line, meathead, and then I knew, boy, oh boy, is this going to go bad. And I would like to say, while it doesn't necessarily reflect because I just took a random sample of emails, almost... 90% of the emails that I did get while they did reference Meathead as a kook to some form or fashion did say the grilled pineapple was delicious. But to make such an assertion that Meathead is or that pineapple is the best thing to come off the grill. And again, as you listen back to the clip, you can hear him set it up and then he pauses for like three or four seconds. And he decides at that point, you know what? I'm going to commit. I'm thinking this in my head that I'm go- I'm about to say that pineapple is the best thing to come off the grill, but I better not. You know what? I'm going to double down. I'm going to say that. And he did say it. And then you have Mike in Florida calling Meathead a kook a week later. All right. Steven Reichlin will be coming up out of the break. I'll talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Attention, anyone who loves sausage and barbecue. That's most of us, I guess. 
Established in 1882, Southside Market and Barbecue is a joint in Texas. What kind of joint? The oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Famous for the original beef sausage and their authentic Central Texas barbecue meats. All meats, including those prime briskets, are smoked low and slow for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store. That's where you need to go, probably. Southsidemarket.com. They ship fresh and smoked sausages nationwide. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note. Or what I like to take advantage of, mail to multiple addresses, but you're not getting charged additional handling and shipping fees. All shipped items are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. The meats are processed on their on-site USDA inspected facility. On-site meat market for fresh and smoked products. Custom orders are welcome as well. If you want to eat there, you can do it in two different places. Elgin, Texas since 1882 and Bastrop, Texas since 2014. Grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states. If you go to southsidemarket.com right now and through the duration. You can get a 10% off your total online order. Use code BBQ Central, lowercase one word, BBQ Central. Again, lowercase one word. You get 10% off your first order at southsidemarket.com. That goes for your second order and your third order and your 15th order. It's wonderful. All you have to do is go to southsidemarket.com. We'll take it from there. Southsidemarket.com code BBQ Central. All right, we are back with Stephen Reichlin coming up. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm going to build a page here, so don't mind me. Live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Butcher's Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils. All of Butcher Barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher. By the way, if you are into barbecue podcasts and if you listen to this show, you must be. Dave also has a barbecue podcast that you might be interested in. It's called the Butcher's Barbecue Podcast, believe it or not. You might want to check it out, see what it's all about. Go to his website, butcherbbq.com, and see how you can tune in and subscribe to Dave's show. All right, it is the third Tuesday of the month, and you know what that means, right? Yeah, we're going to go race to the hotline and welcome in the regular third Tuesday of the month lead guest, Stephen Reichlin. Hey, Stephen. Hey, how you doing? I am fabulous, Stephen. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. And we have a bunch of stuff to get to here. First and foremost, Happy New Year. 
And uh, did you do anything crazy and let the hair down and all that good stuff as you rang in 2020, or was it pretty low-key? You know, I had taken my family to Los Angeles uh, the week before, and we flew back on New Year's Eve. So uh, (laughs) by the time we got home from the airport, it was just time enough to say hello to Mr. Pillow before uh, before the ball fell. Uh, Anything that is worth reporting in L.A.? Oh, my God. We went back to uh, Key Spaca, uh, which is the Italian uh, steak and grill restaurant by Nancy Silverton. Uh, we actually taped a segment there on Project Fire two oh. years ago when we were in Los Angeles. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Any of your listeners, if they're in L.A., they must go to Key Spaca. That's spelled C-H-I-S-P-A-C-C-A. Uh, Chef Ryan works over an almond wood-burning grill uh, they do a steak called a uh, costata, which is four inches, not four fingers, four inches Whoa. thick. Wow. The most amazing grill experience you'll have. I would assume that's a dish for multiple people, or were you feeling especially hungry? Yeah, there were five of us, and we dispatched it, but uh, we dispatched a whole lot of other food, too. All right, so you had mentioned something that I have not heard of yet, which is uh, not surprising given the years we've been doing this uh, segment. Almond wood fired grill. Talk to me about almond wood. Well, uh, almonds are a big industry in uh, California. And as a result, there's a lot of almond wood. I'd say, you know, much the way that oak is the wood of choice in Texas and uh, hickory is the wood of choice in the South. Almond is the predominant wood in Southern California. It's a very clean burning wood, has a delicate smoke flavor, uh, not you know, sort of breast thumping, overpowering the way mesquite is. Uh, but it's a very, very light. Hello? Hey, Stephen, you there? I'm here. Okay, here we go. Not sure what happened there. Just dropped out. Beauty of the internet. So uh, just to compare, the almond wood smoke would be perhaps more akin to, let's say, uh Fruit wood, as far as lightness on the palate versus something a little bit more robust like a hickory or a mesquite? You know what? It reminds me of uh, if you've ever tried to uh, grill with uh, lemon wood or orange wood. Uh, both of those very light flavor. Mm. Um, yeah, I have, I have not done either. I mean, it's just not widely available here in Cleveland. Obviously, no surprise. No, but, no, uh, no. I, I've, never seen, I've never seen it outside of California. Uh, by the way, they, uh, there's one technique uh, I, that they use at uh, Kispaka that I'd love to share with your listeners yeah. because it's a really great technique whenever you cook a steak. So they always have positioned by the grill a sheet pan with a wire rack on top of it, like a wire cake rack. Yep. And whenever a steak or a chop or a meat comes off the grill, it goes on that rack so it doesn't steam from underneath. You know how you, when you put a steak on a platter, it gets soggy on the bottom? Mm-hmm. Well, this keeps it crisp on both sides. Hmm. And is it away enough from the heat where it's not getting like additional cooking, something along these lines? No, yeah, this is this is this is off to the side of the grill. It's not on the grill. And is this a, a grill like something you would see from? Uh, was it Ironworks Grill or, or Ben? Somebody uh, no, or other? It's not, no, no, it's not a Grillworks grill. It's actually a custom grill that was built by a fabricator in California. <laughs> uh, it's pretty straightforward, you know, firebox on the bottom. Um, the, the grate does not adjust. Uh, they uh, control the heat by moving closer and further away from the fire and adjusting the embers. 
Do you find that more and more you're seeing this kind of a grill show up in restaurants versus the traditional gas charbroiler or one of those drawer broilers? You're seeing more wood fired. We have like two that I can name right off the top of my head in Cleveland, but I don't know if I could name more than two. But geez, they put out such a unique flavor and product. Tell First of all, tell me the two in Cleveland so I can add that to my list. All right. Uh, there's a place called Pickwick and Frolic on East 4th Street uh, that is that's like okay. the main drag. And uh, that, and that has been there for at least 10 years. They were more on the pioneering edge of this. Of course, I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember the second one. I will email it to you offline because this place just opened up maybe a month or two ago. And I saw a quick review by the Cleveland food scene writer. And he had mentioned that they're doing uh, real live fire uh, wood cooking at his grill. So I'll get you the name of that for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, this is a huge trend. And, I mean, I can think of a half a dozen places right off the bat in Miami. Uh, I mean, Los Angeles, you know, anybody who has a grill, it's going to be a wood-burning grill. It's not even worth putting a grill in if it's, if it's not wood-burning. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the reason is very simple, uh, the, just flavor. I mean, when you cook over wood, first of all, it's a mercurial fire, so it requires requires more artistry. Uh, you get the uh, you get a, a, a hotter, drier heat than you would from uh, gas, and you get the flavor. And it's not a heavy, smoky barbecue kind of flavor. It's a light wood flavor, but still a flavor it is. You'll remember in my list of barbecue trend predictions for 2020, number nine was grills in super high end restaurants. And uh, high-end restaurants, medium-end restaurants. I was just reading today that uh, Wil- um, uh, Wolfgang Puck, you know, his restaurant Cuts, which he's rolling out all over the country, he's installing Grillworks grills, those wood burners with the, uh, with the flywheel to raise and lower the grate. So, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, and these are grills where as they're building the restaurant, this is something you're building around to a certain degree. You want the members or the customers that are eating in the dining room to at least see a portion of it, if not all of it, because it kind of enhances the eating experience overall. Absolutely. And, you know, remember, there's such a fascination with the sight of a flickering fire. I mean, it goes back way, back, way, way back to our caveman days. It actually seems to go back about 1.8 million years ago mm-hmm. to a human ancestor called Homo erectus. We've talked about him. Uh, he was the guy that discovered you could cook meat with fire. That led to uh, to our, uh, our, our giant brains, our social organization, our division of labor. Everything that makes us human originated with cooking meat over fire. So I think there's an ancestral ancestral memory in us. And whenever we stare at a burning fire, we kind of we remember that. But for that, we would still be apes. Uh, let me throw something out there. Uh, everybody loves pizza. Uh, no doubt about it. It's one of my favorite foods. I think even the worst pizza is still a pretty good pizza. Do you think that the <laughs> introduction and visibility of these high-dollar, uh, either imported Italian ovens, uh, either they're wood-burning or they're gas, but they still have the flame, you can see the flame. You go into a restaurant, you go into a brew pub that has one of these, you can see the flame. Does that add to the attraction uh, with uh, perhaps even subconsciously? Absolutely. Um, the sight of uh, a burning wood, it's uh, mesmerizing. And not only that, but, you know, if you have a pizza cooked properly in a wood-burning oven, it will taste differently than a pizza cooked in a uh, gas-fired oven. 
And there are companies like Woodstone that actually make pizza ovens, one model, wood burning, one model, gas burning. Mm. And even from the same company, they taste different. Now, the trick is, and this is a, only a really experienced uh, pizza liar will do this, but after your pizza, when it's almost done, you raise it up on the peel and you raise it just above where your mound of, uh, of burning logs are. And then you kind of rotate it around and you fire singe the edge. Hmm. And by getting it off the floor of the pizza oven, that's where the smoke is. The smoke rises, you know, so that's where that smoky flavor comes from. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? I'm okay with it. As long as it comes with Canadian bacon, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, all right, Stephen Reichlin joining by us the way, here. Yep. But, by the way, I have not ordered that since uh, I was in college, which was a long time ago, but we'll take it. All right. Uh, Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com, his website. Stephen, let's quickly take a look back at 2019 and – just from an overall food perspective, it doesn't have to be live fire related per se, but what do you think the biggest food story of 2019, in your opinion? Well, I'm going to cite two, and one of them is brisket, and uh, that's no surprise since I published the Brisket Chronicles in May and did a full-page, uh, front-page New York Times food section story on brisket mm -hmm. uh, in June. So I think that was a very big story. Uh, the other was actually more an economics and finance story than a food story, but it certainly concerned the food. And that was when Beyond Burger went public and quintupled in one day of trading. And that sort of uh, announced that the meatless burger is here. It's big. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to pave the way for other meatless foods. Although, mind you, I think that the meatless burger will remain the... Uh, uh, the mother load of that trend. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think that was a really important story. Let's go ahead and dovetail into one of those subtopics that we were going to be talking about, which was meatless grilling. So uh, I don't know if you want to start with a particular burger in mind or if you just want to talk about meatless grilling in general. Well, I think, you know, as America becomes more health conscious, First of, all, first of all, there's kind of a little schizophrenia going on because on the one hand, you know, barbecue festivals, brisket, meat fest, you know, cochon, you know, we certainly, uh, we have not given up meat, but I would argue that we're probably eating better meat and more authentic barbecue than we used to. But on the other hand, yeah, grilling vegetables, plant foods. I mean, I, you know, I was in Kansas City uh, doing a uh, book signing at uh, Smoke and Fire, which is, you know, one of the best barbecue and grilling supply places in the country. Yep. And I announced that my next book was going to be a book primarily about grilling vegetables and, uh, you know, uh, uh, soy and dairy products with a little meat in it, but not much. And in past years, I would have been hooted. I would have been booed off the stage. But, <laughs> you know, people were very receptive to it. So I think that, you know, we want to eat meat. We want to eat better meat. We're probably eating less meat, but it's better. And we definitely want to get our game up with grilled vegetables. Do we want to talk about, and perhaps this would even be a better subject to talk about with your uh, dietitian daughter there, um, when we talk about meatless or plant-based meat, with a health-conscious mind, we do want to make sure that we're pointing out that that's not necessarily a better 
or healthier choice to make? You're just making the choice to not eat meat on a Tuesday or a Monday or whatever. Well, I think it's been demonstrated by countless uh, scientific studies that uh, if you eliminate meat from your diet one day a week, uh, you are going to be healthier. You're probably going to live longer than if you eat meat seven days a week. I don't know where the cutoff point is. I mean, is it two days a week? Is it three days a week? Uh, you know, like Julia Child used to say all the time, moderation in all things. But I know I grew up, when I grew up, and especially when my dad grew up, you know, you ate, you ate meat seven days a week. And vegetables were, you know, they came out of a can. Uh, they were not a big deal. One of the biggest trends that I observed this year and dining around the country when I was on book tour is how incredibly serious and talented and creative chefs are getting with vegetable menus. Mm -hmm. And you go to any Michelin three-star restaurant, which is the highest, most fantastic, expensive, elaborate restaurant you can find. And invariably there will be a vegetable tasting menu at that restaurant. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. Uh, we're talking about meatless grilling this coming uh, or in uh, 2020 and really uh, taking to a fevered pitch. Do you see any other forms of meatless coming into at least our sector aside from the burgers? Are we going to see a meatless brisket or meatless ribs or something along these lines? Well, you know, people are already working on meatless steak. Uh, I think they're working on meatless wings. Um, I'm a little more dubious about those. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I will keep an open mind to taste them because I try and keep an open mind with everything. But think about a burger. It's, you know, it's ground meat. Everything is chopped up. So when you try and replicate that with an impossible burger or a uh, beyond burger, you know, already it's the same texture. You know, you know what I mean? It's already stuff that's chopped up. Yep. Whereas with a steak, you've got muscle fibers, you've got, uh, meat fibers, you know, it has a very uh, distinctive look and texture and feel, the way you chew it. And a steak is not uniform, maybe a, like a beef ten, a, a, a filet mignon is, but, you know, if you eat a New York stra uh, steak or a, a New York strip uh, or a, a, a ribeye or sirloin, parts of it will be tougher. Parts of it will be more tender. Parts of it will have a little more chew. Parts will have a little less chew. Parts of it will be fattier. And that variation, I think it's going to be very hard to replicate in a synthetic steak. However, you know, uh, like I say, let me try it and uh, I'll pronounce it. You know, I'll give you my opinion when I see it. All right, uh, Stephen, we're talking with uh, Stephen Reichland here on the show, barbecuebible.com, his website. Stephen, let's uh, touch a little bit on a few other 2020 predictions. We hit a few as we were making our way into 2020 last month. There were a number of other ones. So we had talked about vegan charcuterie, and we had talking about eat less meat, but maybe eating better meat. You've really been more on eating better meat uh, instead of just eating a, a copious amount of meat for any number of years. I remember that being a point, you know, maybe even five or six years yeah. ago. Uh, Wagyu yeah. goes mainstream. That was point number seven that you were making for a 2020 trend. Why do you think that? Wagyu is going to really find its way up the ladder here in 2020. Well, first of all, um, Wagyu has a very good spokesperson, and that spokesperson is the A5 Wagyu beef from Japan. That's this extraordinarily well-marbled beef that looks more like 
uh, white lace laid over a red tablecloth <laughs> than it does like the red meat we're associated with. Uh, one example would be Kobe beef. Another example would be snow beef. And thanks to companies like Crowd Cow and uh, super high-end steak restaurants like Niku and uh, San Francisco, um, this extraordinary Wagyu beef is, you know, people know about it. They see it. They want to experience it, even if they have to spend 50 bucks an ounce, mind you, an ounce, uh, to sample it. And it doesn't hurt that the stock market is, you know, we're unemployment is at a record low and generally the American economy is doing pretty well. Uh, but that is in a sense, the high tide that lifts all boats. Now mm. I often order YU American YU. I try and order from small farms and this is a steak that looks pretty much like a steak. It's got a slightly richer mouthfeel because of the marbling. Uh, it's a, it's a very tender meat. Uh, but you know, it's not that like pornographic Japanese super fatty meat, but, uh, but it's very flavorful. Plus it's got, you know, it's got a great name. It's, I remember maybe 10 years, 20 years ago when P, uh, Pino Grigio from Italy became all the rage. Do you remember that? Well, you're probably too well, young. Well, I remember, I remember when Pino became all the rage because of that uh, sideways movie and everybody had to have it. Right. Well, anyway, Pinot Grigio uh, sort of uh, replaced uh, Prefusé uh, uh, from France as the sort of slightly unpronounceable, but hey, I get it. We're on the inside. We know how to pronounce it. Uh, wine. And if the, you know, I remember my relatives drink uh, who don't normally drink ordering it at restaurants. And I thinking, man, this wine is really had successful marketing. <laughs> well, why you, you know, for many years, it was certified black Angus, and believe me, certified black Angus is great. But now you've got a new kid on the block with a name that's slightly exotic, associated with Japan, but that everybody does know how to pronounce now and will recognize in a menu. So, you know, I think it's got the right messaging. It's a, it's a steak that really delivers in terms of uh, flavor. So uh, it's got everything going for it. Number three on your list, uh, and this is what we'll uh, call it a close here this evening, is the pellet grill proliferation of 2020. Uh, I was of a very similar mindset in my last embedded correspondence segment as the year turned, but I'm interested to get your take on why you think pellet grills, although very commonplace to us and they have been for years, will find its real footing here in 2020. Well, I, you know, I think it's uh, ease and convenience. I sometimes call pellet grills the, uh, the crock pots of barbecue. You know, you set them, you forget them. Uh, if you know what you're doing and you're working at a low heat, you get a credible, you know, you get a smoke ring, you get a, uh, a pronounced smoke flavor. But you, it, it spares you having to refuel your charcoal in a smoky mountain or to refuel your logs in an offset barrel smoker. So I think that's why they're successful. What was really interesting to me is that Weber decided to come out with a, um, with a pellet grill. And, uh, I, I, you know, I thought in a way that's, you know, that's the pellet grill moment defined right there. It made me a little sad, too, because I think of Weber's the sort of so iconic, uh, such an iconic charcoal burning grill. And like, what are they doing getting in the pellet grill? But, you know, uh, as that old whatever that movie was, uh, follow the money. So I think that's where uh, uh, I, uh, I think that's that's one reason everybody's getting into pellet grills. So do you poo-poo a little bit on 
Pellegrill, Stephen? I'm getting a little bit of downness from you on those. No, I don't poo-poo uh, at all. And I think anything that gets people uh, out and outside and uh, grilling um, is, is a win-win. Uh, you know, uh, we have pellet grills at Barbecue University. We have them on the show. Uh, we've done some amazing pork shoulders with them. We've done some uh, amazing duck with them. Uh, so I'm not poo-pooing them at all. Uh, if you hear any poo-poo at all, it's, uh, you know, it's not even poo-poo. It's just, just sort of surprise a little bit that uh, Webb got into that game. Stephen Reichland can be found right here on this show the third Tuesday of the month. In the meantime, you can find him posting new things on his blog very frequently. BarbecueBible.com is that website. Of course, Stephen, always appreciate the time, and we'll look for you again in February. Hey, me too. Take care. All right, you got it. There he is, Stephen Reichland, right there. I thought I caught a little poo-poo from Stephen. I don't know. Anybody else catch a little poo-poo? Maybe, again, as he says, he's just disappointed in the fact that... I mean, you can't be surprised that Weber got into it. I can't, I'm surprised that it, it has taken this long, but depending on who you're talking, like Kevin Coleman said, we just wanted to wait around, or Weber wanted to wait around until they found all the things that people were poo-pooing themselves and fix them. So you have a whole new concept, but it's a process that people are down with. I caught a little poo-poo, I think. I think Stephen believes that the American public, by and large, isn't going to be that lazy, and then they end up being that lazy. That pellet grills are taking off, and fire management, and knowing how to build and maintain and keep a fire, or perhaps falling by the wayside. I don't want to think that, but I'm not going to live in with my head in the ashes either. I almost said sand, but I pulled out a barbecue reference. Speaking of pellet cookers, Green Mountain Grills is here in 2020. Damn right. They have a choice line. They have a prime line. They're some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. Three different sizes to choose from. Jim Bowie, Daniel Boone, more of the patio uh, models. And then you have the Davy Crockett, which you can take with you on any trip. We love tailgating. Maybe your kids play collegiate sports and you have the opportunity to cook in a parking lot. Outside of the traditional football tailgating, Davy Crockett's the way you want to go. The bigger ones do house that pizza oven insert that I tell you about each and every week. Got to get that. Go to GreenMountainGrills.com and check out all of the products that they have. Great accessories, too. Sauces, rubs, pellets. Much to love over there. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. The Grill Grill coming up next. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Thanks again to Stephen Reichland for joining me. This portion of the show brought to you by Fire... I'm sorry, CookinPellets.com. We love cooking pellets, especially if you have a charcoal-driven cooker because you can load those cooking pellets right up in your charcoal-driven or in your pellet-driven cooker, and away you go. The website, CookinPellets.com. 
You can also buy them on Amazon from time to time if you wish. Bunch of different flavors, and we love Chris Becker here on this show. He's the pellet god and know-it-all. Cookapellets.com. All right, joining me now is the second, third, second, third, second, third Tuesday of the month regular guest, creator of GrillGirl.com, and friend of mine, it is Robin Lindars. Hey, Robin. Hey, how's it going? Fabulous. Happy New Year to you. I know. Happy 2020. Can you believe we're here already? I can't believe it. You know, you, uh, John Solberg pulled out a timeline clip. And I think the first time you showed up on the show was, John, uh, he's in the chat room. Double check me here on my information. Uh, was it 2010, John? I think you've been coming on the show for 10 years solid now. <gasps> wow. I've been blogging for 10, 10 years. Yeah. I think more, actually. Yeah. And can you believe we're still doing it? We're still here. We're still kicking, Greg. I know. We're alive. We're well. One of us is better looking than the other. I mean, we're doing very oh. good. No doubt about it. So, uh, and, and look, I... Is it fair to say, Robin, that while our passion for live fire uh, perhaps has never been greater, do you think overall that the people we are reaching are more passionate now about everything live fire than they were in 2010? Oh, absolutely. It's just grown by leaps and bounds. Okay, here's the fact check that John Solberg just did for me. First ever guest on video was Robin Lindarts, believe it or not. Yeah. Yes, yes. When we did the foray into video, which is a decision I regret every single day. But nevertheless, you were the very first one on video. How about that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We I have to go back and look at that and see what I was wearing and where I was. And that I was even, like three houses ago, maybe. No doubt. I don't even know if that particular archive is even available because that was probably on Outdoor Cooking Channel. And it's hard to find stuff that was on Outdoor Cooking Channel that also was up on YouTube. I tried to do it for something completely. Anyway, we're way off topic all of a sudden. I did too. I had a bunch of videos on the Outdoor Cooking Channel back in the day. Uh, Robin, what's in your closet? What's in my closet? Just um, clothes and stuff? Those are my winter clothes. That's my like backup closet. closet. Like uh, for, for those of us that don't have your Florida lifestyle, like what's a piece of winter clothing? You know, you might have sometimes, occasionally pull a jacket out, like maybe twice a year. <laughs> is, that, is that like a members only thickness kind of jacket or is it like a jacket jacket? Well, we are we are getting a cold spell to the point where like I saw an article that I was I texted you because I made a joke about this the other day because it actually does happen is that um, like the rare occurrence when you get like a freeze in South Florida um, you will see iguanas and lizards falling out of the trees because, you know, they're um, they're cold blooded. And uh, I remember, I mean, I'm in southwest Florida, so it's actually colder here. Um, we have iguanas, too, of course. But um, South Florida, I mean, when I lived there, when we had our last breeze, you really would see iguanas falling out of the trees. Wow. And I mean, you know, some of them get pretty big. And if you're not expecting it, I mean, you get a little knock on the head. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a run in with the iguana the other day and I, I thought of you. It's so funny. Like I immediately thought, oh, Greg, did you <laughs> did you draw your 22 air rifle and put it to its miserable end? Uh, believe it or not, I didn't because I was uh, at a hotel in South Beach and oh, it like oh. literally crept up from behind a trash can and ran across a parking lot. Yikes. <laughs> Pests. Definitely not in wilderness of any type. All right. Speaking of wilderness. You are amongst 20 acres of that kind of stuff on the, let's call it Chattahoochee River or whatever it's called. And what is it called? 
Well, so we we're renting on the river, but our property is not on the river, but we um, we're about 15 minutes away. But we do now have a pond on the property because we acquired a wetland. So now we have 30 acres. <laughs> wow. We look at you guys. Well, it's just like, <coughs> honestly, it's like to someone wanting to buy that land, it would have been highly undesirable because you'd have to do what's basically called wetland mitigation, which means if you destroy like a natural habitat like that, you yeah. have to go make it somewhere else. So we negotiated a pretty sweet deal on it. But for us, it's valuable because, you know, it's it's a nice opportunity to see wildlife and have a little like pretty area to look out on. Uh, now, while you are in South Beach, and if my timeline is off, please correct me, <laughs> Scott Lindars was out hunting and taking care of a wild boar that may or may not have been roaming on the 20 or 30 acres that you have and, and yes. put down three of these bastards, right? Yes. So oh, I, I had a girl's night with my girlfriend down in Miami. I went to see New Order, if you remember them, like that, that 80s band. And the next day was like, hang out on South Beach, like robin time and i get this text from him and he's like i took down three hogs and i'm thinking to myself oh shit you know like now our house it's gonna it's gonna be like a pork processing plant you know so i was like i'm gonna try to get home really late tonight to hopefully you know make sure that like i don't end up having to be part of that equation so (laughs) honestly that's how i was thinking isn't that sad but i was just like it's gonna. It's like a pork athlon in the kitchen of like butchering hogs, really, and and all of that stuff, which I didn't really want to have to do a ton of that part. Well, <laughs> you know, as we watch you on social media from time to time, you'll run a story where you open up your refrigerator and you'll see things that typically you would find in a tree or flying in the air. Yes, taking a refrigerated nap and waiting for whatever the next meal is going to be. So I would imagine a concern of yours was going to be, you know, how many sections of wild boar are going to be tossed into the refrigerator. So, I mean, is Scott adept at, um, I I don't even know the right verbiage to use here, but like taking the fur off of these things and uh, stripping their guts out and uh, processing, maybe that's the right word. Does he process or does he just take the dead carcasses somewhere to get them taken care of? No, he, he actually processes them and he's, it's, it's really crazy because he's really good at it. I don't know where he learned this stuff, but, um, he went to school in Montana back in the day and, um, he used to hunt like elk and stuff and not that they're like the same animals, but this totally dates us, but he used to watch a bunch. He had like a video on how to like, you know, butcher meat or, you know, those kind of animals he was hunting for. And so he would do it himself because that's how he rolls. And I guess it's just like kind of gone into other animals as well. So he does that. Wow. Um, and I helped butterfly the the whole hog that we did just because I watched some YouTube videos because I'd never done that. Um, just and we we had, you know, I kind of felt bad because he tells the story like, you know, there is a mama with babies around. He did not kill the babies. But that's why we there's we're also trying to eradicate the boar on the yeah, property. Why not? So Take them all down. Like, Who cares? They're terrorists. Uh, you know, so part of me is like, oh, you know, but they also like they're wild boar and they're they're kind of I've seen what they them they eat each other. You know, yes, one they're terrible them. human beings. Get rid of them. I know. So um, but the smaller ones actually taste really good. Like you don't want to eat anything, I think, over like 100 pounds. But believe it or not, I mean, the meat was really delicious. Yeah, so um, let's let's not just gloss over. This, this is very important. <laughs> one of the guys from the Howard Stern show is a huge wild boar eating fan. And I know he'll be very interested in this. So 
Uh, ta- yeah. After it's processed, uh, yes. let's talk about your side of the game, preparation, seasonings, what you're trying to do to make sure there's no gaminess, uh, or, or how do you even test that before you cook it, and then how do you cook it, and how do we serve it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say like, in you know, for most situations, the ideal preparation would be to do the best type of cook um, or preparation according to the piece, like the cut of meat. So um, we did do, we did out of the three, we kept one whole and it was a small one. It was like a 35 pound boar and we butterflied that one. Um, but the other ones, you know, we, we pieced out or Scott pieced out and we gave a bunch to our neighbors um, but for this one, so we butterflied it. So you kind of split down the spine and then it's not spatchcocking, but you know, you want to kind of get it to lay flat. Yeah, butterflying um, a little bit, right? Yeah. And so I actually consulted with all the, who I would consider hog experts in my circle. I called Brooke Lewis from the shed and I call her and then she and Brad happened to be together and they put me on speakerphone and gave me some tips on what to do. And he was like, okay, it's going to take you an hour and a half per 10 pounds. And then I texted Malcolm Reed and I texted Chris Lilly and they all gave me some tips. So um, if I ever write this recipe down, it it has been um, crowdsourced from some pretty smart people in the world of barbecue. Um, So, um, but yeah, so it was already small enough that these smaller ones don't really taste gamey. You're, you're, you're blessed in that, in that sense. And I would say how it tastes is like, think about the difference of like a, a, a white meat to a dark meat on a chicken. That's how I think of like, like factory pork is more like the white meat and what we're getting is more like, it's just like darker. It's got a richer taste to it. Um, and so what I did with this, this whole hog, believe it or not, I fit a 35 pound boar on my Daniel Boone and on the um, Daniel Boone. I did like, wow, the legs were like yeah, right. <laughs> on the corners, they were kind of squished in there, but I fit it in and, um, so I made a brine out of uh, maple syrup and like Himalayan sea salt and water and injected it with that. And then I um, rubbed it with, um, uh, I don't know if you've heard of my friend, uh, Neil, he's from Sarasota down here in Florida, but he has this ru- these rubs called DAM, it's spelled D-A-Y-U-M. So and we're like, damn, <laughs> yeah, um, it's called Neil Serap. Serap means delicious in uh, Philip in um, Phil- not Filipino Tagalog, I guess. No, wait, is that what you call it? Yeah, Filipino. Um, and uh, I had a brain fart there for a second. And uh, or yeah, anyway, so that's what it means. That's a translation. I'm sure I'm screwing this up, but his rubs are really good. So I rubbed it in that, um, and also some Veterans Q. And then I found some rendered uh, bacon fat uh, in my refrigerator. You never know what's going to come in handy, right? right. And I rubbed it in more of that. And then I stuffed bacon fat like into like the crevices, you know, like under the skin so that it would moisturize because, you know, your your wild boar does not have hardly any fat to it. And then I found more bacon and stuffed more bacon into the pork basically everywhere. So um, I moisturized the pork with more pork pork, believe it or not, with pork, with pork fat. And, um, it took about four, I don't know. By the end of the day, it was, it was a long night. (laughs) I mean, not long night in that it took a long time, but just, I got started late. And, um, you know, by the time, well, you know, when you eat and you've been smoking something and you've been a couple of drinks and then by the time you eat dinner at like nine o'clock at night, you know, um, but it was delicious, you know? So, okay. So anyway, so what we did inject it, 
smoked it until it hit uh, internal temperature of 145, then wrapped it and smoked it until it hit internal temperature of 203, and then put it in a cooler wrapped in foil still to let it, you know, um, do its thing, and then eventually pulled it. So you, uh, maybe I'm, glo- uh, I'm missing major parts here, but did you you wrap the whole thing and put it in a cooler? Yep. You have a cooler that can fit a 35 pound boar. I have a really shitty old like plastic pickles cooler. That was when Scott was like, "We should really invest in a bigger Yeti." <laughs> That's gotta have, but that would have to be the biggest Yeti. I mean, it could cost two thousand dollars, right? I mean, am I no. missing out on how big a 35 pound hog is? Is it only like two feet? Yeah, but we like wrapped it together and smushed it in there. Oh, okay. You didn't like yeah. lay it splayed open. No. Oh, okay. no. I I don't have. I think they do make Yetis that big, but I don't own one that wow. big. All right, it wouldn't even fit in the back of my Jeep anyway. But so um, you hold it, and then is it just like a straight up pull everything, or do you part it out to try and do the whole thing? Pulled everything, yeah. yeah. And so before we actually, um, before we actually threw it on the smoker, I actually pulled the tenderloins out because the tenderloins on a thirty-five um, pound pig like that are teeny tiny, yeah. so they don't overcook. Um, but what Brooke had recommended to me, you know, had it been a larger pig was to make sure you cover that part, especially with lots of fat, but we just sauteed those up on the side, but yeah, believe it or not, it was delicious. And I made, um, to go with it, to keep it like keto style and a chafel is like a cheese waffle you make in a waffle iron and slaw and a keto like mustard or just a sugar free, um, mustard, like South Carolina style barbecue sauce. And then tonight we actually had it, um, as tacos as well. Oh. And I think I liked it as tacos the best way. Yeah. I love, uh, pork tacos in any form or carnitas, uh, in any form yeah, or fashion. Exactly. If I, I would, I could probably repurpose it a couple of times and make some empanadas out of it. If, if I was really, you know, wanted to go there. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, I've always said all of, it's all about trying new things. And so this was probably one of the new things I've tried this year. So I'm um, I mean, if, if Scott kills two of these a month, you guys would be set to eat at least half the month on those particular boars, right? It, it, keeping within that size, you could get 10, 15 meals out of that probably, right? We could. I don't know if I could go there, Greg. I think that's just a little bit too much. Oh, no, I get that. But I'm just talking about like if this was the old timey days and he had oh, a bunch okay. of brass to throw down range, he could tag a couple of those boars. You'd be pretty popular people in the neighborhood. We would not really have to buy meat. Yeah. I mean, we haven't because it's duck season as well. Duck and snipe season. So um, I've been eating a lot of duck and a lot of snipe. <clears throat> Well, good for you. Um, I I don't know if I have any interest in eating snipe. I've eaten duck, but not the duck that fly in the sky. They're farm-raised duck, and they're delicious. Yeah. Um, okay, let snipe me ask you quickly. Delicious. We have to uh, transition out of the wild boar, but it's endlessly fascinating. Uh, we have a couple minutes left, and I don't want this to go away because we need setup so we can get recap after the fact. A year ago, Robin-ish, you were on your way to the shed to do an SEA event, and we had all the lead-up. Are you doing, uh, A, is there a shed event again this year? And if so, are you doing it? Yes. So the shed is this weekend. Um, This weekend. Here we go. Yes. SCA. Is there a Bloody Mary contest too? I think there is. I'm actually not going to do it this year. I know um, I just haven't practiced enough. And I I was happy with my third last year. Yeah. Um, 
But honestly, I mean, my goal is to get a ton of content and footage and really highlight how <clears throat> just how how everyone's doing, the different teams, a lot of the females out there. Um, so I am competing with Daddy-O and my dad. So um, Brad and Brooke's dad, uh, Craig Orson, Daddy-O. Um, and so our team, I think he signed us up as buddies too or something like that. Um, but, you know, Craig, a.k.a. Daddy-O, has taken Robert Irwin's class. I think he spent a lot of time with Johnny Joseph as well. Yeah, a lot of time. Um, We've so I feel like we have a really good shot, um, and yeah, and you know Steve Janina is from Kids Q Nation is going to be there, which is the the kids cook off, which is so cool. So I really want to um, just highlight that because there's so many young kids getting into cooking, and I think that's so awesome. And so I just really want to shed light on all the the fun stuff that's going on there. So think of me, you know, for this weekend as the the Katie Kirk of Q, if you will, and, and getting footage for my my blog. And then think of me as your embedded correspondent, Greg, because yes. um, I want you to get interviews with Brooke and Brad and uh, Mama Shed and uh, yeah. also uh, any other like if Poncho and Lefty are going to be down there, I want you to interview them and get me all yeah. sorts of great sound and of course, the insider secrets. That's the most important. Well, you know, well, I'm staying at Mama Shed and Papa Shed's house because nice. my dad. Yeah, my uh, my parents, they are my parents um, vacation with them. And we've just gotten close over the years. Um, yeah, they've been going on vacations wow. together. Look at you guys. Um, well, they're just like the funnest people ever. I know funnest is not a word, really. Yeah. Um, well, Mama, it, Mama Shed, I think, is a little down on me because I kind of took a shit all over the MBBQA a couple of years ago. But it well, was a, it was a deserved shit. I was just being it was an honest shit and she didn't want to hear it. And so she, you know, harbored a little bit instead of just calling me out on it when I had her on the interview like she should have. She well, just harbored sure. a little bit, but maybe we're over it by now. I don't know. I'm sure. You know, time time heals all wounds or whatever it is. It's her wounds, though. I had no wounds from it. It was they were her <laughs> wounds. It's a one sided wound, I think. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Um right. well and you know, so if you look, I've been highlighting other female grillers on my blog, or on, it's not really a blog anymore, it's like a website, right? Like blogging sounds very 2010, but um <laughs> so uh I interviewed Jackie Milligan and I've been getting a ton of great response to that um, like on my Facebook page, which prompted me and also um, Stover gave me the great idea to do it. Um, Stover uh, is my managing editor. You don't know Stover, do you? That, no. What does come on to your show as? Is like the barbecue wizard or something? I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> no idea. Um, so anyway, I started a Facebook group called uh, Girls Who Grill and lots of cool chicks have been joining and sharing their cooks and just like, it's been like, it's really cool to see the groundswell there. And I, I feel like I've been neglecting Facebook for a while. And so um, it really is a great place to still build community. So, um, but so for y'all, y'all gals out there listening, um, come join the party girls grill on Facebook. Um, but yeah, good stuff and stay tuned. I'm developing a bunch of recipes for Super Bowl. I've done some, uh, I've done a video for green mountain grills that'll be a, uh, Hopefully getting out here soon, right before Super Bowl. So, yeah. All right. This weekend coming up, Robin Lindars and her dad, Eddie Medlin, and Daddy-O taking on the rest of the steak competitive stage down there in Orange Beef or wherever the hell the shed is. And they're going to take it home. So come February when we recap, 
We're going to be talking about a first place stake win, and of course, you know that gets you to Fort Worth for the World Championship later in the year. So we'll see how it happens. It should be a lot of fun. So you yeah. guys watch. There will be a lot of behind the scenes footage, and I will definitely make sure to get that footage of the Bloody Marys because you know that was yes. like. I please, I, I do want to see that so I can make fun of all of those ridiculous things. <laughs> it was it was fun to talk about, right? Yeah. We had a blast. The, those photos, it was over the top, but fun. No doubt. So, all right, yeah. Robin. Well, good luck, and uh, we'll see what happens this coming weekend, and we'll get the recap in February. Awesome. Happy 2020, everyone. All right. Take care. There she is. Robin Lindars right there. Grillgirl.com. That's the wrong transition there. Those are some free T-shirts. Quad X if you need them. Quad X. That's barbecue large. It might even be barbecue extra large, right? Well, all right. Uh, so I'm over. We're top of the hour right now. I always think I'm going to have more time for Robin than I actually have. I'm reading a comment in the instant chat. I have no idea what it means. That's right. All right, we will wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Give me a beat. Hello, everybody. This is Gary Banner Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, a.k.a. WLTV, the number one wine show on the Internet. And this is BBQ Center. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant, you're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Thanks again to Robin from grillgirl.com for joining me. Going all in on the whole hog. And that's a wild boar whole hog. Ironically, or as it just so happens, there was some other huge wild boar post on Instagram. And now that was a huge boar. But theres I, I didn't get the particulars. I was too busy gawking at this dead boar. Huge couple hundred pounds maybe more everybody else see that on instagram the guys hosing it down is the other guys talking about how they raise them out on this farm and they eat some kind of nut out in the woods look out all right let's move to the second hour shall we you stick around and we'll be right back you're listening and watching the barbecue central show right here on the barbecue central network